G'day, worshippers of Nagash. It is the coach here. I hope you are all rising from the dead, resummoning, and all the good deathy stuff. I'm here with Alex uh, Gonzalez from In Your Face podcast, and almost butchered that. I literally just said, <laughs> Alex, how do I pronounce your last name? Because we don't have a lot of Hispanics, and uh, we don't have that general community in Australia. I was saying to Alex, please get some more authentic people to your my, my community. I would love um, some Tex-Mex. I'd love some Mexican food. Give me those black tortillas. Um, but no, in, in, no, in, in all seriousness, um, we're here to talk Soul Blight. And there's a couple of reasons why we're revisiting Soul Blight, uh, despite, you know, I've, I've got to do a whole bunch of Stormcast videos. I've got to do a whole bunch of Auric videos. But Soul Blight was one of the first videos I did for third edition. And... I think we've learned a lot, Alex. You know, when when the Soul Blight book three first come out at the back end of two, second edition, a lot of people poo-pooed on it. A lot of people thought this is rubbish. And then we got to third edition and we're like, oh, some of these things make sense. Blood, Blood Knights can do some things now. Yeah. And you have been kicking some serious ass. You went 5-0 and oh at SoCal Open. You've been doing pretty well competitively. And I thought we'd have a chat. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I play every Death Army to perfect. I'm not a really big Bretonia fan. And, uh, you know, I have done very well in the past with Night Hunt and OBR and, you know, formerly Legions of Gash, but now Soul Blight. I mean, you mentioned talking about Soul Blight at the start of 3.0. Soul Blight Allegiance ability, of course, disappeared in 3.0. And um, that was my very, very first competitive army, specifically Soul Blight Allegiance, 23 model army, just uh 15 15 blood knights uh nine vargai or oh, 27 model army uh nine vargais and then vampire lords you know two vampire lords and, and one zombie dragon but um yeah you know uh there's a lot of i mean the, the army is really really big when it comes to a, a roster for the most part and the good thing with that is there's a lot of flexibility on how you can build a list yeah, it's a, it's a great army, and uh, it's one of those ones like Cities of Sigma that there's so much variety and units and different ways of building it. You know, Cities of Sigma is my my home away from home, and, you know, the way I look at a, a unit will change depending on if it's in Hollow Heart, if it's in, you know, Greywater Fastness, and I think that the same is true with Legions of Nagash. And, I, I mean, I, mean I, I remember actually when Soul Blight was very first come out, my friend Deke, I actually did a video with Deke, and um, I remember he used to hit me with like waves of blood knights and they used to be able to regenerate with their banner. So he'd always like retreat them, come back, bring them back. He was a jerk. But we're talking <laughs> third edition. We won't talk about Deke. He's a jerk. We'll talk third edition, Soul Blight. And um, you've obviously got an expanded roster and a lot of change. A lot's changed. There's, you know, monster oh, yeah. stuff happening, new command points. You've got new monsters, you know, like Belladama and Radicus, and there's just so much going on. So I want, I want, you know, this is almost like a continuation of the video I did with Matt Tyrrell, but it's more like we've had four or five months now of actual practice. We've, we've had four months. It's yeah. insane. We are almost, this is insane. With so much games, what have you learned? So what have I learned? Probably, let, let's, let's start, let's start. Like, you know, what have you found with Soul Blight? in these first three to four months of Age of Sigma 3? Um, well, with Soul Blight, it's pretty much been the only army I've played in 3.0 so far. Um, I was right until the very end of 2.0. I was still trying to kick butt with my Night Hunt, doing okay with that. But um, 
you know, they got a little shafted than initially OBR did as well. Um, with Soulblight, I uh, I was a little all over the place. Now, um, in the United States, I have had a lot of experience traveling and playing a lot of events. And my good friend, the only person that I regularly play games with, person, you know, person to person, is uh, uh, Jeremy Bessier, uh, the French overlord, current team captain, Team USA. He's, yeah, he's, um, he's team captain now. Yes, he is. And uh, he and I like to practice against each other a lot, right? Obviously. And um, I mean, 2019 ITC season, he got first in ITC, I got second. And so, like, it, it goes to show, like, all that practice really paid off. But, um, he likes to, I don't want to, I don't think it's intentional, but he certainly likes to go, oh, you know, I don't agree personally with your list idea. So now I'm going to build a list that screw with that list, um, which is good, but it's also uh, can be disheartening about what you want to try and how you want to try it. Um, but it, it always does make sense. Like he, he's, he's really good with what he does. So when I first, when Soulblight first came out, I, I was like everyone else and I went, sweet blood nice i want my heavy armored mounted vampires and now i can actually play with them and they're relevant now but <laughs> uh they you know they are what um 15 wounds three up save which is cool but they can still die not to a not to a stiff breeze but to a lot of you know a, a little little storm right and um you know they can't come back unless you bring the life swarm and if it even then there's a only a 33% chance so they and they don't really they, they hit hard but they don't hit as hard as other things so you know i started to warm up a lot to the graveguard and uh, oh boy oh boy did i realize the error of my ways pretty quickly i mean there's something to be said about moving away from things like being able to retreat and do mortal wounds and also kind of hit kind of hard on the charge but um Graveguard consistently, whether they charge or get charged, um, if they don't die in one go, they are usually, even a small number of them still left, are still doing a lot of damage right when they get in. So that was one of the big takeaways that I had when I, uh, you know, between the start of 3.0 and today. Um, in addition to that, um, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but in my own opinion, unless you're running all Blood Knights and doing Kalistari Dynasty... There's a lot of, there's not a lot of wiggle room competitive, well, in my opinion, competitively, unless you build an explicit list for the other ones like Legion of Night and Legion of Blood and um, Avangori. I mean, there's, there, there are lists, I think, that exist there, but you have to like, you, you don't have a lot of flexibility compared to, say, Virkos. Yeah, and Virkos, I think when I look at, you know, who's doing well competitively across the world, it's consistently Virkos. And there has been some build, you know, there's heavy um, grave guard builds. I've seen people running lots of zombies. I've seen those all blood knight lists. I've seen those really heavy, you know, vampire lord and prince vordry type builds, you know, with very minimal battle line. It's just like just run all the monsters. But then you've got the other side of the coin where it's just like, lots of vampire lords on foots or necromancers and there's just this undying wave of 60 zombies 20 grave guard lots of skellies you know always you know doggos i think i think people quickly poo-pooed on our direwolf friends and i think at least from what i'm seeing i think people are now coming back to direwolves and realizing the consistency issue isn't as bad now that you're going to take blocks of 10 direwolves i don't know i don't know if you've kind of feeling the same way alex so that's a good question. I mean, originally I was doing, uh, so going to the evolution of an early 2.0 to a current kind of, you know, six months in or four months in uh, uh, list uh, kind of changes for me. I 
did not bring dogs. I only had Chattakar, uh, and he can, of course, summon the 10 dogs in. And um, I had actually had two Vangorian Lords, and Vangorian Lords are amazing. I actually had a pair of them, which are really, really great for just locking units in. Um, but there are certain units that they can encounter that just, like, will kill them, which is a problem. <laughs> That's why I moved back to the Zombie Dragon, because it will it hits like a brick shithouse if it makes a charge. Um, I had had just minimum units of 10 uh, uh, skeletons, so three units of 10 skeletons, um, in my early list two, double Vangorian Lord. And then I had a white King as my general instead of something big and special like a zombie dragon. Um, so I had my two units of grave guard as battle line as well. And that was super helpful, but you know, the grave guard want to hit hard and they obviously, they're a little bit of a glass hammer. Um, all too often I would find people going sweet. Uh, they're really easy to kill with my two stone horns right in front of them. Boom. I'm going to do broken ranks on that unit. And I'm like, okay, I, I have to deal with this now. And uh, so being able to change things and have a more, not a, not necessarily more ablative wounds, just having a denser battle line that isn't explicitly like the zombie spam list, which is something that I'm just now considering to try to mess around with. Um, you know, I, uh, extra wounds and extra bodies can be super helpful. So my current list um and I'm most likely to bring into to Austin, probably, um, it's going to be, or I mean, it has 10 dogs in addition to the two units of 10 wolves, specifically so that you can have the circumstance of being able to, um, you know, have your have your cake and eat it too. You have the offense. We also have just a little bit of uh, cushion when it comes to defense because 10 wolves are kind of hard to move. Yeah. And, and I think this is kind of why I, I was really excited to visit this with you, Alex, is because there has been a lot of math hammering. A lot of people are like, I'm just going to flood the board with zombies and they're going to come back on a two plus. And then at the end of the, you know, at the end of the battle round, I'm going to bring them back to half strength. And it sounds great, but you're just not seeing a lot of zombies or you, you are seeing certain people take big blocks of zombies. So um, I think, yeah, I think for me, it's just like, you know, where are you four or five months in thinking about the particular build? What are the sleeper arm, sleeper units? People talked about Bella Dharma and they love Bella Dharma, right? She's a one, not only a wonderful model, I love the spell of being able to, you know, do a wound to a unit, then turn it into a dire wolf and you pin them in shooting and it could be a way to get around Unleash Hell. But it sounds good in theory, but against Lumineth where you probably need it or a Daughters of Cain with Marathi, what's the likelihood? So again, this is kind of like what I really want to unpack your brains is how are you thinking about the army? I've lost your sound, Alex. I don't know what you were doing with the shenanigans. But <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I had to plug something in. Yeah, um, the, the, yeah. the, the, the 2021 video conferencing abilities, you're on mute. <laughs> yes. Um, well, um, I like the I like I love Belladama. And my first list did have Belladama. And I still think she's got plenty of legs. Uh, being able to lock down a unit for uh to avoid unleash hell is fantastic and you can just just be a sliver within three inches so that's super helpful too um you know and that's before enemies uh enemy units remove are removed as casualties so they can screw you a little bit on that depending on how where you place them so you gotta be real smart about where you're putting them but um i do agree you know that, that can be incredibly helpful um i found that there can be some challenges with belladama just due to the fact that that spell is only 18 inch range um 
But I think that Virkos overall, uh, the fact that she and Radikar and all the other named characters for uh, Virkos all count as the general in addition to, um, rather than just a Mortark for the other legions or Vordhai for Kalistari, uh, Kalistari um, makes things a little bit easier too on the Virkos players since, um, you know, if they lose their chosen general, whether it's a vampire lord or a zombie dragon or something like that, they're not now not getting their free CP or something like that. So there's still a lot of usefulness with Belladama. So let's let, let's talk about you know the way you're currently winning. So we, we we mentioned at the top of the show, you went five and zero at SoCal, which only just happened, right? It's you know a very recent large tournament. What has helped you win in in large tournaments? Is there particular units, particular strategies? Is it the matchup? Like how are you how are you winning your games right now? Great question. Um... I, a little bit of a little bit of everything right just being able to practice and experiment with different lists can be really important just in its in of itself um being able to really really think about the armies that you're going to have to encounter and the ones that you know you're going to have a problem with is super helpful too so you know and, and sometimes even just staying humble is is really important like going into socal open i went i'd only played two games against sons of behemoth yet I'd played it, I'd seen them play. I'd read through all of their rules back and forth, including the white dwarf rules, and gone, okay, I know exactly what to do if I encounter uh, SOB. However, this is going to be really hard for me. And the problem was the practice game that I had, I did kind of stick my neck out a little too far, partially to see how things go when I fight against SOB and I make a wrong move, uh, which they punish you for, uh, or at least they punished me for. So, um, and then my second game, it was a little bit better. And then at SoCal Open, you know, I play against one SOB player and I just, you know, we had, I think maybe four turns before he was tabled. So, you know, and that was just because we played the, the vice. So, you know, turn one doesn't exist. Turn two, maybe you're not in combat. Maybe you are, you know, he happened to stick his neck out and kill a unit of skeletons and then, you know, to, to get, bro I gave him a free broken ranks of the monster and then just kind of swamped on and then everything kind of cascaded from there. Um, but being able to know your, know your hard matchups and at least have a good game plan on what to do is going to be very, very helpful. Like I'm still, I need a rematch against Lumineth because last time I fought against Lumineth, it, it's, it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, and I made the wrong move. I, I, I basically lost the game due to the fact that I, I, uh, in the moment didn't think of something very very obvious so how it's a little bit you? more how dare you not remember how that dare one I? thing it's like <laughs> yeah but um yeah no that i mean like that that's it you just have to like know your you know know your opponents and kind of know know the limitations of your army too i would say and and that's you know really important lesson for anyone whether you are listening to this because you're a soul blight fan or you you're just listening to this because you enjoy my content regardless of what army practice 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 because the more practice that you get before a tournament the better decisions you'll make because you've been in a situation where you've gone i did that that worked or it didn't work how do i do it differently not on the tournament scene and you know my advice to anyone as well is go find people who are playing those meta armies as well get experience against right now the archaeons the 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 sons you know iron jewels especially gorg runners right now are going to become very popular so if you are preparing for a large event coming up go head hunting your community or go find people <laughs> who are playing those armies and you know tabletop simulator is a great resource for that as well but 
um, while hopefully your sound works because I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, it works. It works. I'm having just a little mini, mini thing here, but yeah. And, no, you no, know, no, like but... Tyler mentioned it, you know, ask lots of reps, have a lot of reps and obviously, you know, playing against good opponents like yourself and getting against people like Jeremy, obviously really push you. And it's, you know, that's always great, but also it's the questions you ask as well. You know, not, not being afraid to ask good questions, but what I'm really interested in as well, and because you mentioned Lumineth is a bit, you know, was a bit of a challenge for you, or at least, you know, you, you made some wrong decisions at the end that yeah. kind of, you know, might have lost you the game. But some of the meta armies right now, they're all very different. You know, you've got the Lumineth, you've got some very heavy shooting armies. You know, Jeremy obviously is a carriage and overlords player. So, you know, you've got shooting from that side, but as well as like Bow Snake, Marathi, you've got Lumineth who are doing mortal wounds, you've got cruel boys who have a lot of shooting especially the, the some of the monster hunting shooting but then on the other side you've got some real hero hammy hero hammer style armies you've got to deal with an archaeon you've got to deal with potentially a nagash a marathi but then you've got other things like these super durable two up three up armor saves and stormcast is is you know especially with annihilators right now drop you know or even vindicators dropping down so so all of the meta armies are very different. It's almost like you can't cater to one particular style. Yeah. So in those instances, um, that's the reason why I have the list that I have, you know, looking through, um, you know, looking through even uh, a few of the comments today, you know, one person mentioned another limitation, you know, uh, zombies and skeletons are fun, but they're just not mobile. And, um, you know, to that, I say gravesites. You know, uh, gravesites can be an incredibly useful tool. Yes, graveguard are incredibly slow as well, but when they can show up where I need them to be, um, that's very helpful. So the placement of a gravesite can also win or lose you the game with Soulblight Gravelords. And I think that a lot of people don't really realize that until it's too late, um, or maybe just don't even realize that at all and just go, well, I thought I, you know, I'm putting them in the right spot. What's happening? Well, you, maybe you're not putting them in the right spot. You need to put the gravesites not where exactly, where exactly you want to be, but rather where your opponent isn't going to be you know so it can maybe dedicate they maybe have to dedicate a uh, normally buffer unit or, or a blade of wound unit now to like jump on the grave site to even if it's a 50 point model a 65 or a 65 point unit 50 point unit 100 point unit if that unit's now on that grave site to try to block off a grave site then well a you have three more hopefully you're using them correctly and then b um that's one less unit maybe two less units that you have to worry about on the objectives you know um especially when you start putting you know because the the temptation is to put a grave site near an objective right and your opponent can sit on it and kind of deny you both returning from the grave site or you know summoning from the grave site but also then sitting on the objective but i always found because I used to play Legion of Night and, um, you know, that was ultra kind of shenanigans because you put some things into Deep Strike as well as you've got the Grave Sites as well. So you've got two different versions of the summon or the, the coming in from reserve. And mm -hmm. I always found like, you know, I'd, I'd always have one or two Grave Sites that I was never going to use, but I'd put them in a place that my opponent couldn't ignore them because the minute that they ignore them, I had the threat of summoning in their backfield, getting into their juicy exactly. hero, stealing an objective. But I, in my mind, I never really thought about using it. I'm like, well, I was going to put it there as a threat. And the opponent would stretch themselves, leave something back or whatever. But you're right, like the, the radius and thinking about not where do I want to summon, but like where's the possibility and how do I make sure that when I want to bring something from the gravesite, I've mm -hmm. got space. 
Yeah, I mean, putting the gravesite, putting uh, deciding what units you're going to put in the gravesite can be very, very, very helpful. Um, you know, and they do take the same rules as Stormcast Eternals, which a lot of people, or not, not necessarily Stormcast Eternals, Stormcast Eternals, Night Haunt, etc. Um, you can only put as half the unit in the grave or in the uh, gravesite as you do, um, you know, on the on the table. So, you know, for context, I put, um, you know, sometimes you want to kind of trip up your opponent and go, okay, cool. I only have my heroes on the table and two other units or, or you know, maybe one other unit. Um, I have four drops in the gravesite. I have four drops on the table, you know? And so then they're just like, well, they can come up anywhere over here. And if you outdrop them, then they're going to be even more concerned. They're going to go, okay, uh, they can potentially go in turn one and maybe pin my entire army down, you know? That's a problem. So. Um, being able to use the grave sites to in, in a correct fashion is is so powerful um but of course you know hypermobile armies mo armies that can be anywhere at once can can easily invalidate that um i haven't you mentioned jeremy playing um ko uh technically he's got like every army except for seraphon i think so he's i just i just know him as ko like that's that's where i see oh him yeah playing. at least that's my perception of jeremy well, see, now I have to deal with the Stormcast, which is going to be a new problem. So got to deal with Hallowheart, um, you know, taking full advantage of the Stormkeep mechanic. So um, a lot of MSU, I think, is, is going to be the next movement. But um, yeah, you know, being able to, to um, make sure that you can be where you need to be is going to be very important. And actually, you mentioned that you played um, Legion of Night, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to play. I, I played old, like <laughs> in the Legions of Nagash, I played Knight. And mm -hmm. it was always fun because, like, what I would always do, and I would terror. I love the psychology of the the Legion of Night. Is I'd always have a terror geist, you know, an, a terror geist and an unmounted terror geist, and I'd have it on the side of the table. And it was always my last drop. And I'd always because at the time you could only have three in reserve, where now the update is one for one. And I'd always have the terror geist, and in my mind, it was always going on the table. But in my opponent, they didn't want it. They didn't want the terror guys to be coming in from reserve in their backfield. And, you know, you watch them, how they deploy, and they try to avoid that terror guys coming into you when you've still got all these other things on the table. So you can do some really interesting psychological games using the grave sites as well as coming in from reserve. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, Legion of Night is an army that I have not yet messed with, but... I mean, that goes into a very powerful unit that already has mechanics that are kind of janky in that same way. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, the good old uh, Manfred, you know, my least favorite character fluff-wise in anything AOS uh, or fantasy, but oh boy, oh boy, is he so helpful for being able to be like, you know what? I don't want to be in this combat anymore. Oh, you have an unprotected objective. Well, now I have that, you know? Can I pause you on Manfred for just a second? I just want to finish off this, the the um, the gravesite piece because I know a yeah. few people in the chat and people have talked to me in the past. Is like, how do I put down my gravesite? Because you referred to it a few times correctly. You know, how do I correctly place my my gravesites? And because of terrain density and the types of armies we play, whether it's going to be you outdrop them, they drop outdrop you, the layouts th where I used to put my gravesites would vary depending on. Again, my opponent, the mission, if I wanted to go first, if they were to go first. What are some of the considerations? Or if you were going to teach me how to deploy my um, my grave sites, what advice would you give me 
or at least some considerations depending on the styles of uh, opponents? Yeah. Um, I would say most of the time you don't need to go super be- deep into your opponent's backfield. Um, I would always recommend keeping two of them near each other. Maybe let's say 18 inches away from each other if you're going to put them in the backfield. Otherwise, really uh, don't try to do that. Um, you know, with you are limited, right? So two of them can be placed anywhere. Two of them, pardon me, have to be put within your territory. In the missions where the territory is 50-50, um, then you know, put them all in the middle, maybe two on your, on, in your territory, two in your opponent's territory, as close to the border as possible. I think that those, that in those instances, those are very helpful. Um, but like spreading them out, you know, now that I say that it's probably not 18, probably more than more like 24 inches away from each other. It's probably a good, a good move. Um, but, oh, you know, being able to, in the other missions where you're a little limited, right? Like you are maybe a territory that's 11 inches up. Um, then in those instances, you would probably want to, of course, keep your two uh, two grave sites in the territory, maybe equal distance towards the objectives as you can uh, with each other right on the border, since it is a one millimeter circle. Um, and then on top of that, you would probably want to string down at least one objective in the middle, maybe halfway, half you know, closer to halfway up the board if there's no objectives there, and then um, you know, one more maybe in your opponent's territory. But being able to flirt with getting close to your opponent's ter- uh, territory is helpful because, you know, maybe you need, uh, roll a five up and everything you need is still on the table, but you, you lost a unit of skeletons or something like that. Well, you can plop them in, you move something on over to your opponent's territory, and that's a good way to get a uh, savage spearhead, right? Yeah. Yeah. So being able to harass your opponent in that way and, and get those extra points on or you know those points on the, uh, the battle tactics without them expecting it is is really useful the one kind of cardinal sin i would say to avoid at all costs is to put your grave site anywhere within i mean you have to be within uh, outside of an inch of a piece of terrain and an objective i would recommend not even being within three inches of an objective Maybe not even six inches of an objective. I would put yourself no more than maybe just about six inches on a, near an objective, if not farther away. You know, if you can put, if you can be nine inches away from your opponent and still put half the unit of, say, skeleton, zombies, graveyard, et cetera, on the objective, that's super helpful. Bingo. That is the key. Mm-hmm. And that's always been because I would do a, a, I would do a very aggressive Legion of Night build and you know, you've got to think about the the objective marker, but well, your your center point, but then also the radius. So you're right. You want to make sure that you've got as many options as possible to bring up that unit. And you know, terrain does impact you. I always kind of looked at it like a diamond. That was like always my default. It never was like an exact diamond, but I'll always try to have one one in my opponent's territory one in mine, and then two on the flanks. I never wanted to put it in the center of the board because that's often where the combat happens. And for me to bring back, to do things in the middle, unless I was like a one drop, I would never do it. It was just, it was almost like a throw that, that, um, that graveside in the bin, but having something on the flanks, especially when you have Manfred, Neferata, uh, you know, a vampire Lord on zombie drag, something that's fast, you can kind of swing around you. You can kind of manipulate things a little. Um, oh, yeah. But I know that's changed as well because back in the day you needed your general to bring back from the gravesite. Now you got a lot more flex. So that's probably and, how I was thinking about it. Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, there was the FAQ, right? In the rule book, it says you can only bring a unit back at the end of your Battleshock phase. Then, in the, uh, or pardon me, in the book, in the Battle Tome, it's that way. In the FAQ, it just says in any player or in the Battleshock phase. So I'm like, all right, you know, if that's yeah. the way it's going to be, I'm not going to complain. 
Um, I will say one final thing with the the grave sites. Uh, it has been an issue that I find a lot of other Soul Black Gravelord players having. And um, a friend of mine who's playing Soul Black Gravelords and struggling, I literally just took his uh, general's handbook and like got a pen, got their permission, of course, and just kind of like drew in on their on their uh, general's handbook where they should be putting them in any one mission. You know, so it's like okay, this one, this one, this one, this one, and of course, it doesn't always hold true depending on the matchup, but. For the most part, generally, yeah, the diamond, the square, etc. Yeah, especially like if I'm going to lose. And I think the reason I wanted to pause you on that for a second, Alex, was because I didn't want to skip over it because it's something that I think a lot of people, it's through trial and error you learn where to put the graveside. And, you know, it's almost like deployment, right? You got to practice your deployment. You got to practice where you put your gravesite because it is a resource that you are going to be able to leverage and you want to make the most of that resource. Um, the other consideration, obviously, and we'll get back into Manfred because I do want to pick your brains on Manfred and, you know, the Mortark that everyone loves because they he brought Age of Sigma to the people. Yeah. He, brought, <laughs> like, he did nothing wrong. If it wasn't for Manfred, there's no Age of Sigma. So you got to thank, you know, thank thank Manfred every morning. Thank you very much for Age of Sigma. <laughs> it's true. Without Manfred, there's no Age of Sigma. You'd be, you'd be, uh, you'd be on square bases, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> With with grave sites, the other thing as well is like I always thought about you know am I going first or is my opponent going first because if I'm a, a, a high drop and I'm not getting the choice I'm playing more defensive because I know my opponent could rush up especially if I've already put a couple of units in in reserve in a grave site uh, you know that, that they can very easily limit where I, I bring them on the board so I might kind of push them back a little bit or bring them closer to me if I don't think that I'm going to win uh, or go first. Mm-hmm. okay that, that's well, just me like because if, if, if i know i'm going to go first or if i feel like i've got a good chance i can be a bit more risky but if i'm going up against like a one drop or a two drop and i know i'm not getting the choice the last thing i would want to do is put too many things into reserve and then lose my options of where i bring them in you may think yeah. differently maybe that's just my, the way i look at risk first reward well, that's the way I used to do it too. With uh, you know, with with um, with my grave sites, I used to do one kind of like very much in my deployment in a safe spot. Um, now I've basically been putting two kind of in my zone in general, and then kind of two in my opponents or two a little bit further up the board. So I almost want to kind of like have these islands available to myself if need be. Um, but also, I mean, my uh, grand strategy I've been utilizing is Predator's Domain. Um, specifically for the fact that once you once most armies die, or once armies most units in other armies when they die, they just don't come back. Whereas ours can come back pretty frequently. So you know if you have a lot of units and you start bringing up these units, you can very easily just oh be like oh I'm near this objective or that object or pardon me this piece of terrain and that piece of terrain and uh, pretty quickly you can add up just starting to swamp over. And even if you get tabled, you know, if your opponent doesn't have a lot left and it's turn five, well then, Hey, you know, even if you're losing, at least you got your grand strategy. Um, yeah. So, you know, being able to, to put your grave sites in ways that are also going to be advantageous to your, um, to your grand strategy can be very helpful. No, I love it. And you mentioned battle tactics as well, popping up in the backfield and scoring savage spearhead and things like that. Um, but you were talking Manfred. You were talking about, you know, the the greatest Age of Sigma hero known to man and <laughs> your love and professed love of him. Are you finding that a lot of people should be considering Manfred or is it a a case-by-case situation? Like, what's your take on Manfred? 
Oh boy. Um, I think Manfred is really helpful. He works well in my list. I don't think he's going to work well in everyone's list. Um, I think that if you're running um, Legion of Night, obviously bring him. Um, if it's Virkos, it's kind of a toss up. If it's Kalistari, you're already spending too many points. I don't recommend bringing him. Um, he's useful in my army just because um, it. he's got a real fun mechanic that people don't really remember, I realize, I, th I think. And it's um, if he's got, you know, his staff attack and he's got his sword attack, just like Neferata's got her dagger and she's got her staff, right? And Neferata's dagger, she hurts a hero. There's a 33% chance you're killing that hero um, after the at the end of the combat phase. But for Manfred... If he kills any models with his with Geistavor with his sword, then all friendly soul by Graveler model units wholly within twelve of him uh, get one extra attack for that same combat phase. So if you jump him in and it's your turn, so you get to you know kind of choose where you're charging. Of course, um, then you don't have to worry about disappearing. You shouldn't be charging something that will clearly kill him in one round or or two rounds or something like that. You go in, you do some pot shot attacks. If you're conveniently wholly within twelve with the with the um, with uh say a unit of grave guard <laughs> and then radicar also charged and he popped off his command ability at the end of the charge phase well then that 20 man unit of grave guard have 80 attacks and um without the extra attack i've had 20 grave guard standard uh with the bu natural buffs of plus one to hit and plus one to wound near manfred or the plus one to wound naturally through uh holy within nine of a Virkos hero plus all that attack um i've had one unit of 20 grave guard do 57 damage to a Gar mega gargant and um you know that was pretty fun <laughs> so um, for you for you Not for, for me you. it was fun for me it was fun yeah so um being able to to remember geistivor is i think probably going to be the most important thing i would uh, have people realize but also if you if you have an opponent who has like at socal open i had an opponent who um went all out attack basically that his list might, should have been just titled all out attack it was a corn slaves darkness army the guy was an experienced player in like war machine like a like a well-known figure in war machine uh however i'm obviously not a part of that scene um but he was getting into age of sigmar and he um had archeon demon uh corn demon prince which is exhausting to fight against if you're not a shooting army yeah, um, half, half moving demon prince that is like a nightmare yeah half charge is is the worst oh, yeah, half, yeah half moving yeah half char running charge uh, yeah sucks. but um you know he had arc and archeon is way less resilient in a corn list but he is incredibly hurtful in a corn list so um you know he had sever the head he had kill all my opponent's heroes and um near the end of the game he realized it was impossible to get that unless i made a terrible move and charged a unit that could kill him and with Manfred and stay in combat, which I was never going to do, then um, then he would have gotten uh, uh, a sever the head. However, with Manfred being able to just dip out if his opponent, if something really scary charges him, um, it's incredibly helpful. You just go, okay, cool. I don't want to be in this combat anymore. You basically have to shoot him off the table. Um, which even if you shoot him off the table or want to, he still moves sixteen inches. He's got a three up save and twelve wounds. So and ignores the first wound each phase. So and the other thing I love about Manfred, and I think some people might miss this one, is that his command ability is actioned in the hero phase, not in the combat phase. So you can yes. really get a you can you can not only is it a great bubble. I love the Manfred bubble because I quickly learned with Manfred, don't use him at like a vampire lord on zombie dragon or prince Vordry. dry 
you really got to play him like he is in the law, which was be very sneaky, be calculated, and, you know, find the little weak spots to get Manfred in. He's great in combat. I think too many people are too quick to pull him out of combat to use the, the little teleporting shenanigans. I don't think it's always the right play. He is still good in combat, but you've got to really choose your battles on where you fight with Manfred. But that command ability, being able to avoid things like Raw, because it's a hero face command, is gold. And then the fact as well, oh, so as you good. mentioned, that one that that you know, giving plus one attack within 12 inches of Manfred, that might allow you to not have to spend points for a vampire lord on foot to get that same ability. Or yes. it might combine really well with the uh, like a white king or something if you wanted to go that route. And by the way, folks, we will bring up Alex's list in the chat as well. So if anyone, we, Alex, you've mentioned your list a few times. If you're <laughs> not, we will bring it up. Oh yeah, of course. And no, exactly what you mentioned. You're you're saving a lot of time too with um, with command points when you pop open his uh, command ability. And you know it, it all happens at the start of the hero phase, right? So it's all at the same time. So if you get your uh, inspiring or heroic leadership uh, off, you know you roll that four up. Well, then that you just immediately use it right then and there. That's a free one, and you can consider that a free um, a free triumph and a free all-out attack for however many units are wholly within 12, which you can fit quite a few models wholly within 12 of 100, 120 mil oval. We talked a little bit about the dynasties and, you know, we've talked a little bit about wh where your thoughts are. Do you think all of them right now are viable and competitive in the in the meta? And folks, when we talk about this, I'm not saying that if you like a particular build, it's, it's rubbish and, and stop running it. You know, I'm talking to Alex from a real competitive point of view. If you want to do well at a tournament, yeah. do you think all of the dynasties are viable or are there a top three, uh, you know, top one? That's a really good question. I think the only one that I really have trouble thinking of competitively is, um, I actually hate to say it, I think it's Legion of Night. Um, I think Legion of Blood really? has some, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that there there is room. And I think that if you run a... You, an army that can literally cover the board with models and maybe even Vargas or, or Manfred plus, you know, as something that can deep strike is because of, uh, um, you know, I think the command ability or a relic from, I think it's command ability for, for Legion of Night. That's incredibly helpful. Um, however, being able to, um, each each army i've kind of th thought about right like with kalistari it's very straightforward you can run a competitive list it's more of a gatekeeper army if you run just all the blood knights and prince ward high or prince ward high uh, another zombie dragon and as many blood knights as you can fit right it's not not it's not going to probably win a gt it's probably going to go maybe at best one or four and one but there are a lot of armies where if they can't deal with that they're not getting in right um kind of like a son to behemoth kind of situation um i think that Virkos has the most flexibility and gonna have you're gonna see the most um variety in what you're gonna see uh with those lists and then um with avin gory that uh if you talked to me the start of the 2.0 i would have told you avin gory is garbage don't consider it it's bad you should feel bad <laughs> however um i've been warming up to them lately you know uh I'd been talking a little bit with, um, you know, a few people and, you know, there's a lot to be said about the, um, uh, the, the torment driven throws rule or no, pardon me, not the torment driven thrones rule. Um, the artifact of power. What am I looking at here? Um, it is. Oh, boy. The eye of, 
the what, what does it do? So you've got the unhinged rampager, it's which the, is a reroll charge. No, it's the maddening hunger. I mean, because there's not a lot of things in the game that um, that uh, you know that that you can immediately just kind of point and click and slay a model, right? And Soulblight doesn't really have any of that, with the exception of that mutation. Uh, for the cursed mutation of maddening hunger, you can uh, oh, yes. in the start of the combat phase pick one enemy unit. The wounds characteristic of one. Spend three inches, of, and that's the big kicker for me. That's the reason why I'm a little nervous. Uh, you know, if you do little... say that enemy model is slain and you can heal one, that's right. That's right. So you can heal one, which is fine, but it's mainly about like picking off that thing that you don't want, picking off that squad leader, picking off that thing that keeps them in coherency, etc. So um, I, I I think that there's some there are some legs there. I just I haven't had the time to mess around with it. Um, now that I it does it does it does feel like that um, Avangori and even Legion of Blood. I'm not seeing a lot of Legion of Blood lists. And two, I think it was uh, Gulliman Gulliman's point as well. Legion of Night can be counterintuitive because I that was a, like a real black baptism of fire for me when I was learning it because you've got to like when do I put things into the gravesite? When do I put them on the side? Um, Chronomatic Cogs has changed as well, so you can't just chuck that down and get the plus two to the charge. And I found it really, because I was going very aggressive with my Legion of Night, you know, I had gone to the Morgast Harbingers to get the 3d6 charge because Vargeists were, at the time, Vargeists were just like often failing the charge. I never had a hero to kind of re-roll the charge. And even then, like, do I even want to re-roll a nine-inch charge? And that was always one of the struggles as well. Like when I'm going really aggressive, even with grave sites, popping them out, like, you know, um, your your White Kings, not White Kings, your Grave Guard, pop them out of a, um, a grave site. And what's the likelihood of that charge? Yeah. Um, th that's the issue. Being able to hopefully get your nine inch charge is going to be helpful. And the problem, I mean, like, they thought about this army pretty well. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we see some of the newer armies and you know i'm looking at you stormcast they clearly were like well let's balance this as much as we can um there's like there's no real way you can get a plus one to charge um successfully with or plus one plus two plus three um with with soul blight so yeah you do have to kind of roll the dice a little bit um but there are command abilities all over soul blight grave lords free rolling charging like calistari dynasty for example i'm pretty sure yeah i'm almost certain that that's a command trait for rolling that charges wholly within 12 of the general um being able to just hopefully roll and roll well is very important um as a night hunt player i gotta say i love that like there's a gambling mechanic of just rolling for that nine up or hopefully ten up uh charge and um yeah you know sometimes it works out and sometimes it screws you what about Nagash? Where do you think he lands? Because he's a lot of points, and OBR players are loving him back in Petrifix oh, Elite. Absolutely. Like they've, they've done the Petrifix Elite dance, like it's back, baby, it is back. But is Nagash getting the same amount of love in Soullight? That's a great question. Um, I think that if you were going to run Nagash in a Soullight list, you probably have to do. Um, I guess not Avangori. I guess you would want to do maybe even Legion at Night. Because I think yeah. the only only really well way to a good way to play him is to and and the list that I had actually concocted I actually thought about this the other day and I just recalculated it during this uh, our chat today it's at eighteen ninety five so you have one hundred and five points to spare but it is um, Nagash plus uh, I'm looking at uh, one hundred and sixty zombies 
I was going to say, I was going to say it is the replica of um, OBR taking the gash with, you know, potentially either it's either with the Arcan or lots and lots of uh, Mortec Guard and with, you know, plus one to the armor save through Petrofix Elite. I think you're right. I think if I was going to run Nagash, I would run it with a horde of zombies, just lots and lots of zombies, maybe a couple of necromancers for Van Hale's Dense Macabre, or maybe even like a, you know, a, a White King or two, but just mm -hmm. an undying legion of just like 60, 60 zombies each. Um, do I attack Nagash? Do I go for the zombies? Do I do enough damage? And I'm just getting, I don't know. I think that, that would be kind of how I would build it. But yeah probably not a lot of incentive in the other sides. Well, the big, in, I mean, like problem is Nagash can't heal himself, at least not in, uh, not unless he rolls it with his uh, spell that specifically can heal him. Um, so whereas in OBR, he just heals himself in like, you know, X number of extra units. So, you know, that's, that's the only bummer. And in the list that I just recommend, like I just thought of, you know, it is very much like a, again, another kind of gatekeeper list, right? Like, um, I think one person at SoCal Open, he had brought, I think one may have gotten four and one, bringing um, Nagash, Belladama, I think a corpse cart, and then as many zombies Lots as he of fit di Was it Die Wolves? I, 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 remember, I remember seeing one particular list where it was like nothing but Die Wolves. I think it was like, corp maybe it was a different tournament, but there was just lots and lots of Die Wolves instead, being that they are summonable too and just clogged up the board with their two wounds apiece. That wasn't SoCal, but I have seen that. I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Okay. Just like clogging the board with uh, them and also having Belladama around to potentially bring more and then having her being able to throw saves, uh, throw wounds onto the dogs. It becomes obnoxious and hard to kill her. It doesn't make it impossible, but um, kind of makes it, uh, a lot of things a lot more difficult for sure. Um, yeah, Belladama, she's, uh, yeah, she's a great asset, especially at 200 points, but um, for Nagash... Um, it, it's hard for me to build a list that I like with OBR unless it's something that's so blatantly straightforward, like a ton of zombies. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of other considerations. Like one thing I really liked about Belladama, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, is the magic and being able to do some damage to your Lumineth archers, you know, some type of shooty or some type of thing that you can't get in the backfield. And then if you're successful and you do the spell you get to turn one of those models into a doggo and you can then kind of start, you know, at least restrict the unleash hell when you start going in for the attack. Because one of the things that I know people were talking about early was, do I add uh, fell bats? People were talking about fell bats as the counter to unleash hell because you don't have the ability to get to those big blocks of 30 luminous sentinels. Yeah, the Sentinels or the 15 bow snakes with Daughters of Cain. So what do you do? You, you know, and you want to hit them with a the vampire lord. You want to hit them with the blood knights. Do you need the fell bats? Where do you stand with fell bats right now? No, I don't. I mean, like, I like them. And in my old list, I used to run, I, I never ran uh, uh, fell bats, but I ran bat swarms, RIP. But like, um, for five, for 10 points more, you can get one unit of 10 skeletons. And they count as battle line. And if you want to bring a unit out nine inches away and try to even even the re-rolling nine-inch charge, if you need to, if you really, really want to mess with them and you know that like you're gonna not fail your three-inch charge or whatever with other units, it is probably worth it to bring just spend 10 points more, have a unit of 10 skellies, throw them up near the grave site, 
charge them into that unit that you want to, to again this is why gravesite placement can be very important because if you put them in a certain way then yeah you can say right now what i'm saying you know is situational but if you can you can put your gravesites in a way where it's not situational this is what's going to happen when you want it to so being able to just maybe potentially throw the 10 skeletons in probably have them die to unleash hell and then you charge in with what you need to with the meat and potatoes um that's that's super duper helpful um on top of that uh unfortunately and i think that this is a bit of an oversight with the book um you can bring back dead dead walker and death rattle units you know that are summonable you cannot bring back um summonable fell bats so that's 75 points that you're not getting back at least you know that if you have an 85 point unit of skeletons you're at least getting half that unit back potentially even if they die I just know a lot of people were talking about that as a way to, because the minute they saw Unleash Hell, they're like, right, you know, I'm charging up my Blood Knights. I'm charging up that Vampire. The last thing I wanted to do is have a whole bunch of wounds chipped off it. You know, how do I handle that? And I know that was one of the the ways people were talking about it, at least early on. But I guess what I'm hearing from you, those points are better spent maybe somewhere else. I think that spending your points purposefully to avoid Unleash Hell isn't helpful because you could go to a tournament, right? And if it's like a really, really, really big tournament, um, or, you know, if it's basically more than 40 people, 50 people, 60 people, you could go all five rounds and not see a shooting army. Mm. Then what are those fell bats doing? You know, um, the, the, the fell bats aren't, aren't doing really much of anything. They I mean, they could what, help, like, they, you could score Scott Savage Spearhead with it. They are a good screen because they're not battle line. So they're not going to give you up broken ranks. But you, your point is valid. Your point is very valid is, you know, you are building to counter. Right now, what? We've got Stormcast. We've got Daughters. We've got Lumineth. You've got KO. Although they're not going to they're not going to sort you out with KO. You know, there's a, a Cities of Sigma probably less than half the field is going to shoot you. So is those 75 points valuable? I think you've raised a good question. I think that it depends on how you build a list, right? Like I try to build a list that has no wiggle room for fat, right? That has very little fat, if not none at all. So everything has a, has a purpose. Everything has a reason why it's in the list. Um, so being able to, being able to have the, bats means to me like there's fat in my list unless you do specifically want to go for that kind of method like you know i'm bringing these for x y and z however again you bring one two unit you bring two units of, of fell bats yeah they're really useful for certain things but if you're fighting against a shooting army and you go second for example uh they very well might just be shot off the table before you can use them because they what they're three wounds each and they have no save or a six up save i believe yeah it'd be six up at best yeah so it, it makes it a little hard for me to want to run them. And that's just me personally. I think the, the points that you just mentioned are very, very valid. Uh, Savage Spearhead, uh, being able to negate Unleash Hell if need be, where need be, super duper helpful. Um, I just, I think it's more of a how your tastes run, you know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've, I've been having some conversations with some other death players. And I think for me, maybe a, a unit of doggos if you're looking for a screen yes. if you're looking for something to help unleash hell i'd probably be more putting those i, I know it's battle line so you are going to give you up broken ranks if it dies but you probably get a bit more versatility and utility using dire wolves over a block of fell bats but 
Because at least oh, they'll keep curious. up with like you. They'll, they'll keep up and screen your your zombie dragon. It'll screen your blood knights and being summonable. You can take advantage of coming back to life and all that good stuff. Well, the kicker is then you bring Chattakar and then you just have a summonable unit of dogs, and they don't count for broken ranks because they are not a chosen unit. Uh, they are done a chosen battle round, the battle line unit. So um, they become incredibly helpful when it comes to unleash hell or. Um, really any of these kind of a blade of wounds bubble wrap etc because then you can just throw in the, throw them at the opponent and um hopefully they survive at least one round if they can survive at least one round of combat or one round of shooting which to be frank more often than not they do um there that's very helpful mm. yeah no i think that's the, the challenge right it's it's the it's the benefit and the curse of books like this because i again i'm a city's player right so i know how many rabbit holes you can go down. And I think you've got a lot of cool options, right? You know, people are talking in the chat, you know, what do we think of Luca Vi? You know, you talked about Radica or Chattaka. We haven't talked about Neferata. We haven't talked, there's so many great heroes there's as so well many. as lots of units. It really comes down to the start of the decision tree. What's that dynasty you're going to pick? You know, how do you start kind of thinking about what brings you to the table? If you love your Blood Knights, you can really build around Blood Knights. And I think there's viable builds in Blood Knights. You love your zombies. One thing I think people a lot, and I, I'd love your thoughts on this. People talked about Graveguard. People talk about zombies. Not a lot of people talk about Skellies. I think the humble Skelly still has a place in the in the meta, and I I still think it's a, a sleeper little good unit. Um, maybe not like the old block of forty you used to run with Van Hales, and you know you you use the spears for the double attacks <laughs> and all that stuff. But yeah, but I think a lot of people went really quickly to 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 kind of not talking about the Skelly. Well, that's the reason why I keep them on my list rather than some other battle line, right? So my battle line in, like, say, my SoCal list. All right, I'm just going to bring it up. All right, I'm going gonna to bring it up. Let's let's start okay, teasing yeah, the yeah. chat. Let's bring it up. Let's bring it up. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Ooh, I, hey, there's a new view. Let's do that one. Oh, no, oh right. I like that. I like that. No, no, because it blocks off the uh, blocks off the, um, the, 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 the battalion. The so let's just go this mm. way. So here is this list that Alex keeps talking about. It went five and zero at SoCal. <laughs> it is likely going to be your Warhammer uh, Warhammer Austin uh, list. Yeah. And uh, here we are, nice day. We've got Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, Chattaka or Radica the Beast. Um, you got Manfred. You got a unit of uh, two units of Skellies of ten. Uh, one unit of Dire Wolves. Two units of Grave Guard and. This is an interesting one for me as well because early on I saw people talking about two blocks of Graveguard and I wondered if it was too many points. So uh, I'm sure you're going to explain to me more about your thinking and how you're and why. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mentioned skeletons just because I use those instead of some other bare minimum uh, battle line. Uh, my previous list did have a unit of 20 skeletons in them uh, as like backfield objective scoring. Um, but that is when I had Graveguard count as battle line as well due to a White King general. Um, and, and skeletons have a lot of legs, especially when it comes to uh, their own objective scoring. Because if you have your entire army up in front and if your opponent has like... Um, let's say Daughters of Cain, if they have like Canary, um, you know, Canary Heartrenders or something like that, and they charge a unit, they deep strike, they charge a unit, um, that unit, you know, if they get hit, um, just make sure you don't activate first so that you can bring X number of models back, right? It's incredibly helpful, incredibly useful. Um, skeletons do not hit well at all. They hit like, like more to guard, but weaker. Um, and, you know, they're, 
they're there to exist and nothing more. Um, so having a big unit of them or two smaller units can be very useful and, and I think is is um, has a lot of utility. But um, yeah, with this list in particular, bringing the double unit of Graveguard, um, I am yet to find out that that is, um, like it, it's never not been useful for me. Um, worst case scenario, a unit dies very quickly and then maybe I can bring 10 of them back in as like a harassing unit. But um, they always, almost always outperform um, things that they, that I need, things that I needed to kill, they either die by that or they die to the zombie dragon. Um, so in like one go, um, very, more often than not, the 20 unit of graveguard, if they're all in combat or even half in combat with an extra attack, um, usually will kill the thing that I need dead. Um, and I think that, especially now that Stormcast have gotten their FAQ and they're going to be showing up a lot more in tournaments. Um, I haven't fought too many games against new Stormcast yet. Only maybe two games max so far. Um, one of which was pre-FAQ and the rules weren't really fully understood either. So there were some things that weren't correct, um, which happened when you're learning a new army, but um, in, in a practice game. But um, I think that the combination of mortal wounds and two damage um, is going to be helpful. One rend hurts. I mean, like it is what it is. This army, this entire book doesn't have a ton of rend two or, or rend three, but um, mortal wounds on sixes and, uh, and two damage incredibly helpful against, let's say, uh, uh, Stormkeep, Storm, uh, or um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Stormkeep, uh, Vindicators, Liberators, etc. That you really need to munch through. Yeah, even the Mega Gargan, right? I think it's one way that you're going to pull yeah. down a Mega Gargan because outside of the Grave Guard, there's not a lot of things that you have to pull down that Amulet of Destiny Mega Gargan, who may have even got 40 wounds with the five up, you know, ward save. But when you think about the Grave Guard with the two attacks doing mortals on sixes getting any abilities like the plus one attack from either the you know manfred or even like the humble little vampire lord on foot then if you bring in the white king and i, I want to ask you like why no white why did you drop the white king and even like you know why do you not even take the the little vampire lord on foot i feel like he is a perfect support piece for the grave guard well that's a great question and i have played all of those in different lists before and i'm i wasn't unhappy with them I just am happy with this one right now. Um, I will probably go back to them pretty soon, um, or at least after, uh, you know, after November. Um, you know, the uh, the White King was incredibly helpful um, for the re-rolling ones, to, or, uh, um, yeah, really in ones to hit for the yeah. uh, friendly death rattle unit, like a unit of skeletons that might already be getting plus one to hit. Um, however, again, same thing as before, 20 Graveguard are a bit of a glass hammer. So if your opponent knows for a fact that they're going to be able to kill them, which if they have like a central unit, a really kind of hammer unit, they probably will. You know, if it's a unit of say four Fulminators or, um, you know, a, an Ironclad or something like that, right? Um, you can just point and click. And as long as you roll average, you're probably going to kill the unit. Um, if that's, uh, that's a pretty easy broken ranks, you know, and not yeah. only is it a broken ranks, but it's also a unit that is very offensive. So um, it's kind of a free battle tactic that you're giving away. Um, at least I found that that to be the case. Um, and then the regular, or regular Vampire Lord, I, I absolutely love. Um, the first variation of my former Veercoast list with Double Vangorian Lord, dropping them and replacing them with a Zombie Dragon, I had some points to spare. 
and I had actually replaced Radicar also with a, um, I had placed the, I had replaced the, um, I had replaced it, two Vangorian Lords with a zombie dragon. I had pla replaced Radicar with a Coven Throne. And then I had replaced, um, while keeping uh, Belladama there, I had replaced the White King, a White Lord or White King um, with a zombie dragon, or I mean, a Vampire Lord, which was very helpful for the plus one attack, like you mentioned against Graveguard. In addition to that, um, you know, the debuff mechanics on a, a Coven Throne can be incredible. However, it's incredibly situational, but for one CP, she can make a, uh, you know, that, that Coven Throne can make, uh, you know, a, a, a White King or a, gra a Graveguard unit, you know, plus one to hit, plus one to wound and plus one save makes them kind of terrifying. So uh, without it the feels use like of Manfred. It, it's all, yeah, I was literally about to say, it feels like you either want the Coven Throne or you want Manfred. You don't want to do both. Um, I mean, you can do both, obviously, but it's yeah. a lot. It's a big point sink to to be buffing up something that maybe you're better off having an extra block of grave guard. And I think you, you mentioned a really good point as well, that if you only have one unit of grave guard, you know, opponents get wised up and they see the vampire Lord on zombie dragon. They see the grave guard. They're the two things that people want to pull down pretty quickly, but by having a second unit of grave guard, you've got three key threats. Plus you've got Manfred who can pop up all around the battlefield. You've obviously got Radica as well. That probably takes up those points for the vampire Lord. Cause like, if you're going to add, a vampire lord or, or a white king on foot where the points come from you know radica is certainly one of those models that are taking up those points yeah well really it was manfred uh because i before oh. this i hadn't actually run manfred um i had run belladama plus probably as a, a vampire lord or something like that um i am uh you know the ability for plus one attack is so helpful um, but you know, really that's the re only reason why I would bring a vampire Lord. And yes. with the fact with the combination of Geistivore and the combination of, um, Radicar, hopefully getting the charge off, you know, you want to make sure that he doesn't get like, intercepted. Of course. Um, I kind of didn't really feel like I needed a zombie dragon or I mean, pardon me, a vampire Lord in this list due to solely to the fact that I had two other mechanics to get additional attacks. One that was a little bit more situational, one that I had a lot more control over. And by the way, it looks like uh, Raymond from SoCal is in the chat as well. So Raymond was five and zero as well. So you guys were at the top of the tree. Mm -hmm. I think they were wishing for wishing for maybe round six where you two could fight off each other. To someday, who is? Let's make it happen. Yes, yeah, someday. Lock it in. Some, lock it in. Someday if we'll not, lock tabletop it in. simulator. <laughs> oh, man, so, tabletop simulator is really helpful, especially in the pandemic. It helps scratch the itch a little bit, but um. It's no uh, replacement. Well, it's it's no absolutely replacement. no replacement. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I, I can't look at the table as well as I can like on the real battlefield. Like you took yes. me in real life, and I and I'm like old school Warhammer, where I can guess the ranges because you had to in like cannons and things. But I, like on tabletop simulator, I'm a potato. I can't read the table field. Like I don't know my charge range. I was like, what is going on? But yep. this is not the tabletop simulator show. Um, why, why the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon and not Prince V? Why not Prince Vordry? And is it just a points issue or is there something more? Uh, the fact that you, uh, I mean, like there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Um, Vordry is really fun. He's got the mortal wounds for his range. He's got, uh, he hits like a brick shithouse. Um, and he's, 
very hardy. He is also 20 points more than a zombie dragon, right? And that's and that's not that's not the kicker. That's not the reason why I don't run him. I don't run him here because I need I, I, if I run a, a soul blight list, I want at least two uh, two generals, right? Um, and in Viracos, it's the easiest one of all of them, like we mentioned before, to have two generals because every single named character counts as your general, unless you you know in Legion of Night, it's Manfred, 380 points. Legion of Blood, Neferata, 360-point extra model. Prince Wardhype, 455-point, right? So it becomes mm. really challenging to kind of fit uh, the extra model in the have two generals, unless you run Virkos. Um, and really, I don't consider Radikar 315 points. He is 180 points to me, uh, because as long as he doesn't get shot off the board turn one, which is kind of hard to do, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, four, a four-up armor save, 12 wounds. I mean, KO could do it um then you're I mean, all maybe like the, yeah or you just screen him like you hide him and hopefully you know yeah, yeah don't be a potato and put him right the front like oh he <laughs> can run it he can he can run and charge he's going to be like a super missile up the board oh wait mm -hmm. no he dies no he absolutely dies yeah yeah no he he is someone you want to protect until you don't need to anymore and then when and then you can make him you can make him hulk out and he he becomes a fun time but um yeah you know uh being able to uh Oh, the zombie dragon, there's a lot of different reasons to run him. Chief among them is the fact that with him and Radicar, that becomes two generals on the table. Um, you know, the Death Lance is a good one of those rare occasions where you can have more than one rend. You know, of course, on the charge with a 14-inch move, he becomes uh two rend, and I chose flaming weapons. So on the charge, that that uh um lance, that death lance is uh two rend five damage. So you more often than not, if I'm charging multiple things and I kind of I have a problem where if I spread out, and this is just more of a luck thing for me, let's call it superstition. I feel like if I chain out all my attacks on multiple units, I'm not going to do a lot of anything to any of them. But if I dedicate everything to one thing, more often than not, I'll kill it. So if I'm doing like Slay the Warlord and I'm in combat with multiple units, I'm going to dedicate the Zombie Dragon and all of his attacks to that chosen general to get Slay the Warlord with a bonus point. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've done that and the Lance alone killed him. And then the jaws and the claws, don't, sort of like claws, don't even matter. So, um, but, you know, he did what he needed to do. That's an extra point. It's incredibly helpful. You've, like, potentially screwed over your opponent on certain things uh, that he needed for, they, they needed for their battle tactics or the way that they showed, you know, really expected to play. And being able to do potentially 15 damage with just three attacks, let alone the rest of the attacks that the zombie dragon has, is terrifying to a lot of people. Um, in addition to that, obviously, Amulet of Destiny for the five-up shrug or five-up ward. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, Pack Alpha is the kind of unsung hero, I think, of the entire book. Uh, being able to use a command point without a command point being spent for that one character who is also your chosen general. So command abilities have an 18-inch bubble on your chosen general. Um, you know, that's super, super, super helpful um, in more ways than one. You know, and, and again, it's an in in a turn, you can use one command point without it being spent, your opponent's turn and your turn. So in one battle round or uh, one battle round, yeah, you're you're basically using two free CP. That's potentially 10 free CP over the course of five rounds. So um, that on uh, compared to any other command trait is has been the most useful I've seen in the entire book. And your army, when I look at it between Manfred and Radica and, you know, all the other different things in your army, 
you could be very CP hungry at times, especially when you're setting that up right. You know, Radical, when he goes for the charge, he can do that sweet bubble to get the plus one attacks. You've got Manfred's aura bubble, which you, you definitely want to have on. Happen to need it for a re-rolling a charge or all-out attack or some some type some type of you know CP. You've got a lot of really good options, I guess. Is my point is you've got a lot of good options to burn CP on. Yeah, yeah. So the free CP is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know because of that exact same reason. And then so so you're actually going. You're mentioning, and I'm sure you've already realized that. But so I like I appreciate that you set that up. Um, Basically, this list I, I tried to build it in a way that made things um, that made sure that I had almost. It's weird. It's funny to say ablative command points, but like there are a lot of things that become like uh, like you get more um, bang for your buck, right? You're you're using more and spending less, right? So Manfred, if he's around a certain number of units, if he's around at least three units or two units, and you're using um, his plus one to hit and plus one to wound, then you're essentially already almost doubling or tripling or even quadrupling um, the a number of kind of all-out attacks that you would have gotten. So that becomes incredibly helpful. Um, you know, being able to use the extra CP from the zombie dragon as well, you know, that can potentially be, you know, you know, five extra all-out attacks or something like that that you may not have real, uh, utilized otherwise. So, yeah, it is exactly, um, you know, it's about kind of optimizing the amount of benefit that you can utilize for your command points. And uh, even with this, more often than not, I, I use all my command points by the end of the round still. Are you finding that you're mostly running around with your... Because the way I'm imagining your list is on the table is you've got your two blocks of Graveguard, maybe they're on either side, and then you've got almost like the Mighty Ducks formation where you've got like, you know, maybe Manfred at the back, you've got, you know, Radica at the front, you know, you get the wings of, of um, Graveguard. Is that how you're kind of like building like an offensive castle to kind of make the most of all of your bubbles? Because that Radica 18-inch bubble is quite generous. Manfred's bubble is quite generous. And you notice in AOS 3, 18 inches doesn't sound a lot, but when you look at the smaller table size, it does actually cover a fair amount of the board. Uh, is that how you're kind of using them? Or are you using like one at a time or are you doing it all at, at the same time? Um, I want to make sure I have the question right. Uh, you're asking whether or not I, I use all my command points all at the same time? Uh, I'm, I'm, more t- I'm more talking about like your Manfred bubble and your Radica bubble. Are you trying to? Oh, are you trying to like spend all your CP in this all like this absolute all out offensive attack, or are you kind of like doing layers? So you you might kind of go in with wave one, which is Radica, because his his benefit is based on the charge, and then you kind of go in with the units, and then maybe Manfred is second, or how how are you kind of using it all together? I think maybe I'm not articulating so, my question the best. No. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so um, really, I, I try my best to think like uh, old vampire count, right? So this army is, especially since there is a glass hammer mechanic to it, um, you have a lot of temptation to be as offensive as possible, to jump right into your opponent's line and just hit them as hard as you can, which in some instances is very helpful. And again, going back to my experience with saying Night Haunt, that's exactly how I would play. I would play hyper-aggressive. I would try to pin my opponent down while I score the objective in other areas and kind of have have the ability to do what I want when I want to, um, which still, it was a little bit of a risk, but at least you can like bubble wrap and zone things out with a lot of deep strikes. With this army... I like to be a little bit more reactionary and obviously being more reactionary is usually a safer bet in a lot of different armies. 
Um, however, in an army like this, you I try my best to make sure that I can have control as to when I make the charge. And um, sometimes that means, especially against Stormcast now too, sometimes that means that um, you bubble wrap uh, to avoid, say, Annihilator, Deep Strike, Mortal Wound spam, and you lose a lot of skeletons, a lot of um, uh, Grave Guard, maybe even. You can throw the Grave Guard down without even thinking about wanting to charge with them. They're there, they're holding objectives. There's something that the opponent now has to deal with. And um, if they die, c'est la vie. Um, if they don't, wonderful. And um, honestly, uh, uh, they you have to understand that you're going to sacrifice units, right? And again, going back to the old vampire counts kind of play style. Um, so I try to be reactionary. And sometimes I like to just throw, throw a unit that even, even a 280.20 man graveguard unit, you know, sometimes I like to throw them into my opponent's face to not necessarily confuse them, but to be like, this is something that's here now. Now you got to deal with it. Uh, I, you have, you have two units. I've hit you at a weird angle. You have maybe three units that can attack me. I have about three or four units that can attack you with a 25 mil base. But, um, and yeah, you have your big scary things that now have to go over and deal with this. But um, now they have to go over and deal with that instead of doing other things, you know, like scoring the objectives. So um, there's there's that game. I, I want to say that kind of secondary game, that meta game of, of trying to play for the mission rather than playing against your opponent. And that's certainly an AOS 3 mindset. I think the first thing I'm noticing, and I'm actually running a games day tomorrow, and Ooh. we've just been in we've just been in lockdown for like 14 weeks and we're all kind of slowly coming out of it. I've had some IRL games. A lot of my community hasn't had a lot of IRL games. And one of the things that you notice very quickly is that in Age of Sigma 2, it was about being aggressive early. It was about getting up into the middle of the table. And you know, it was definitely that was kind of the mindset. You are noticing in third edition, people are holding back a little bit more. They are being a bit more reactively, a bit more counterplay. And it's probably why as well, a lot of armies like the Bow Snake, Daughters of Cain, like, you know, the Lumineth are loving it because people aren't being as aggressive. And then the angels come in and they, they're the ultra aggressive. <laughs> Gorg runners are just going to smash you in the face. So have, you know, I think the key here is that, you know, net, and I kind of got the answer that I was looking for, and it was that you never have one particular game plan. It's not about, you know, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. A good player looks at his tools and goes, right, I'm going to pull the right tool for the right situation. I'm not going to always protect my grave guard because what's valuable to me right now is actually the skeletons or Radica because of this reason. Yeah, the matchup is super important. Um, you know, and that's actually, that brings up a, a point that I'm actually relatively... Uh, I don't want to say concerned about, but something that I need to honestly uh, uh, test against. Um, I've only played a handful of games against new, um, uh, uh, new orcs, right? New war clans. And um, I kind of already figured that they were going to FAQ uh, Gorgrantas to give them the run too. Um, and lo and behold, they, they did for the, for the spears. Um, and so I have a lot of people I know that like to run a lot of min units of Gorgrantas, a lot of them. So, they're going to hurt, but it is what it is, right? And um, I, I honestly am really excited to try to see what I can do to be reactionary to that hyper, hyper aggressive army, um, you know, to see how, how things do. That, Lumineth, and um, potentially New Stormkeep, I think, are going to be the hardest matchups. 
I just had a game of Stormkeep and it is hard, you know, when you've got those five um, Vindicators who are, you know, sitting on the objective, counting as three, they've got a stupid armor save, they've got a ward save as well, you know, you know, even like, you know, I think Stormkeep is very, very tough. You know, Sons of the Storm got some good things as well when you've got like Lord Bastion and but I think to your point, the meta is slowly shifting and it's becoming the story of durability, not just damage. And yeah. you can only imagine what Nurgle's going to bring to the table pretty soon. So <laughs> is this a time? And I love that you've got the Die Wolves in the list because with the Brutes stopping you from scoring while you've got one wound models, all of your models are one wound, right? Your Grave Guard, your Skellies, um, they're all one wounders. But your Die Wolves are going to kind of avoid that. But does that mean maybe with the Gore Grunters, if that becomes really popular, and I can almost guarantee it will because people love running their piggies, love it. Is it time to bring in the block of 60 zombies? Is that the kind of screen that you need to protect your force? Or is it going to be some other type of shenanigans? I, I don't know what you're thinking or if you've had some thoughts, but it's certainly something to consider. How do I handle something that's going to want to be like one or two drops? One or two drops is, is just kind of a thing that I feel like you have to deal with. Uh, unless you with, – with Soulblight, it is a little hard to do um, like a one – it's definitely hard to do a one drop – it's also hard to do a two drop. Um, you know, it just becomes a really, really big uh, kind of uh, uh, difficulty to try to get the things that you need in, especially things that can hit, pack a punch, right? Because you do want like your zombie dragon or something, some type of equivalent. And if you run one or more of those, like Manfred, when he makes a charge, like we talk about him disappearing, he is pretty hardy in combat too. So when you make the charge and you know you're going to charge with him, he can, he can do a lot of damage, right? And um, so really it's all about when he gets into a combat where he doesn't want to be, then you're allowed to just bounce out and do whatever the fuck you want, or whatever you want. Uh, pardon my French. Uh, so it doesn't but, matter. We're, we're all good now. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, so yeah, um, you know, really being able to try to understand your opponent's army is very helpful, and that's definitely why... Yep, dragons are going to be horrible. And that scares the crap out of me is what uh, is being said in the chat as well. Things like the Stormcast Dragons coming in, the Storm Drake Guard, however they, you know, should you know should they stay at the same amount of points, um, the amount of mortal wounds that they're going to be able to put out. And obviously you've got some good stuff. You know, you've got your Deathless, you've got the ability to, to summon and regenerate. And again, does that then lead us into a bit more of a, a durable horde? Does that lead me more into skellies doggos zombies at least because otherwise those those mortal wounds and those, those shooting attacks are going to pull down my key pieces you're going to have to um you know uh as much as again people do like uh blood knights and i have i think a unit of five that i'm working on right now i already have a unit of, I, have, I have 10 of them already um as much as they're gorgeous models and they are good right now because the storm keep exists and because Nurgle is probably around the corner with a lot of resiliency as well. Um, a unit of five blood knights, even a unit of 10 blood knights fully buffed up, aren't going to do a lot of damage to say 10 vindicators, 10 liberators, etc. Oh, well, liberators, maybe a little bit more so, but vindicators or even, you know, the two up armor save uh, type in, uh, character or, or models, the, the paladin uh, keyword models, you're not going to do a lot of damage to. And sure, they're three wounds with a three up or a four up save going to a two up or a three up. Um, and yeah, if they're, um, if they're what, hammer fall or whatever, you're going to have that potential for a six up shrug save. Um, the FAQ fixing things, I so I have not thought 
post FAQ Stormcast yet. So part of this is me just assuming. But prior to this, you know, I had the um, I had fought against the um, the general who was uh, the chosen general being a um, a knight uh, encanter, the knight something or other on a on a dragon, and they had the command trait of table wide minus one to wound uh and before you know of course it was any model not just the dragons and so you know i'd fight against three a unit of two dragons a unit of one dragon and then and the character dragon and so being able to have them all be minus one to wound made sense but then the whole army was also minus one to wound which was incredibly difficult to deal with so now that i know that i don't have to worry about that anymore things might be a little different uh but i you are right i think that um with these new resilient, hard to kill, hard to move armies that are going to be all about scoring, um, things like, unfortunately, you know, Blood Knights are going to be a little harder. You're going to have a much more uphill battle. You're going to have yeah, to be able to swarm. Mm -hmm. Or you go one unit. You go one unit that supports maybe your Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, you, but you don't go all in. And I think to the point, just, just to clarify, when I say durable hordes, I'm not talking like a horde with a mad armor save. You know, the Soul Blight version of a durable horde is 60 zombies. 60 zombies that are coming back on a 2 plus that can come back at the end of the in the battle shock phase. That's that's a different version of durability, um, which is going to be the same type of style of Nurgle. It's just Nurgle does it a whole lot better than than um, Soul Blight. Well, I mean, you want to talk about durable? I mean, you could you could do um, ten units of ten dogs, and uh, you still got seven hundred points to deal with. Or no, uh, you still have uh, six hundred and fifty points of whatever you want. After 100 dogs. <laughs> they are paper, but they're more durable than, I don't know, the Gloomspite gets hoard. Like, well, like... <laughs> this mention, the, the, the comment here about 60, 60 zombies are paper, you're right. You are absolutely correct. They are super easy to go through. And I had played a, a game, a, a few games, uh, where I tested out zombies as well at the start. And uh, I was told the error of my ways um, by a friend of mine after I had played a few games, you know, against, uh, again, Jeremy. And, um, I had maybe a unit of 20 and a unit of 40 zombies. I'd, I'd run 60 total. Then, you know, I was taken aside and told, if you're going to run zombies, run a minimum of 120, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, like, have them cover your entire territory. And if they're not doing that, then these that's not enough zombies. They will die. You know, you need, like, maybe a unit of 60, a unit of 40, and two units of 20. Right, like it's a glimpse by kids. I used to run box of 60, 40, and 20s, and it wasn't just one unit, it was a wave and a horde, and it was just bodies everywhere. You're blocking off objectives. Obviously, there's a lot of debuff in gits, but that was the style, and you're right, it's not just one. If you go down that route, it's having many options. Yeah. But you know, yeah. do you want to paint do you want to paint, you know, 160, 200 zombies? Do you want to move them around the table? Is that, you know, for some people, it's probably not their most exciting part of the hobby. No, no. I mean, that's why, like, uh, I think what um, my summoned zombie dogs are just like spirit dogs, like three color minimum, like ghost colors. The other ones I put a lot of more detail and attention to. But, um, oh, boy, uh, can it be a bit of a nightmare to try to paint those? Somebody in the in the chat mentions, you know, who, who, the, who the F wants to. Build yeah, I brought up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, then, then hopefully you've gone online, you've gone on eBay, you've found pre-painted used minis that you don't think are too ugly and that you want to run. <laughs> I, I just did that myself. I want to experiment with a ton of zombies. So I built and painted well 40 zombies. But then after spending 
an entire week spending painting four zombies just like meticulously i went i'm not gonna run these i'm almost never gonna run these why did i just spend so much time on that you know uh so then i bought uh four, 60 more the other day and it was like they were used they were painted as long as the mold lines aren't there which is like a big kicker for me just I'm contrast cool with just contrast the horde um yeah. you know like beautiful zombies but it's like pushing shit uphill there's only so much you're like ah you're yep. gonna die pretty quickly you know let me put the effort into heroes i think i think for me when i look at soul blight there is uh, the the ideas are starting to emerge when i very first had this conversation with matt tyrrell there were some ideas right it was very early on in age of sigma 3 and the meta has started to settle we've started to see the the hero hammer we started to see shooting we're starting to see durability you know the armies that are starting to become popular is becoming a lot clearer and i think we you know we're in we're in this phase now that we are going to move into something a bit more durable people are sick of getting mortal wounds you're either dealing mortal wounds or you need to handle mortal wounds and i think this is a great way that your book has flexibility you've got such a deep a deep roster that you can flex and you can move as the meta shifts which is again a trait that i've really enjoyed with cities compared to some of my armies that are whole, you know, they're either hot or they're not. Yeah. And I actually think that there's going to be a wave too. Uh, that's just my inkling. I'm, there's no, I have no prior information behind that, but um, I think that there's going to be a wave too for Grave Lords um, just because there's got to be a new zombie dragon model around the, around the corner. And I would not be shocked if um, just because of the cover art and a few other things that make me kind of think, maybe a year from now there, I wouldn't be surprised if we came out with something new, but um, yeah, you know, I, I really, really want to see what they do next. They have, it's too many. It's almost like they have two. I think there are more heroes than non-hero units in the book, which it would be good to get a little bit more of an expansion. So on the Stormcast days. problem is like, you know, a whole two pages of points just purely to heroes. Um, yep. Cause you've also got the Curse city stuff as well that, you know, isn't quite technically released. Um, but hey, at least we've kind of broken it up now and you, you don't have to take them as one 700-point block of like, <laughs> why would you do that when you take in the gash? But I think for me, just overall, um, I think you're in a good spot. You know, you are doing quite well competitively. A lot of Soul Blight. Is there one particular build? No, it looks like there's multiple different versions. Mm, Whether multiple. you go the Alex style, which is a double grave guard. I've seen Belladama. I've seen, you know, Manfred, no Manfred. I've seen... Prince Vordry, Nagash, no Nagash. There's a lot of cool options. So however you want to build. Um, and again, like if you want to go top tier, Alex, is it about dealing mortal wounds? If you want to go like the highest that you can possibly at a tournament, what are you building towards? Well, if you want to specifically, I actually was thinking about this the other day. There's not a lot of like mortal wound generation in the in the army uh, outside of uh, what? Vordheis Breath, um, Nagash, um, uh, people want to think zombies are mortal wound uh, blunders. They are absolutely not. Absolutely. Even with a plus one attack, plus two attack, even plus three attacks, it's not really that great. Um, I think that you need to look at, um, as silly as I say it, uh, potentially Avangoria with like two terror guys plus something else. Um, do I think that's good? No. Um, um, I think that maybe you still want to bring the Graveguard. Um, maybe if you're running Calistari, maybe a unit of Graveguard, um, you know, uh, two units of, or maybe one or two units of, of uh, Blood Knights and then something else to fill out your battle line. And then uh, Ford High, that honestly might be the most useful tool if you're explicitly going for Mortal Wounds. Um, 
if you're if you're going in that particular direction, you're you're a little limited. I mean, part of it is also that objective scoring mechanic. Like you need to spend X amount, X number of points on bodies on boots on the ground, right? So that again goes back to the reason why um I don't use you know three units of skeletons and save those extra points. That's why I keep um, I keep the unit of 10 dogs in because I, I know I can summon 10 more later. You know, that's 40 wounds, 10 or 20 models uh, with a five up save. And you're probably bringing at least one of those units back once a game. And they're not the easiest unit to chew through, you know. So even a Stonehorn might might not even be able to chew through a unit uh, on the charge, you know. So it's it's a risk, but, um, you know, it, it's it's good to try to have those boots on the ground. Yeah, and as Triple Herb said, you know, I think generally you are in a really good spot. You know, there, there's only a few. When I look at the book, there's probably only a few units that I wouldn't take. <laughs> my my Black Knights probably are going to stay on the shelf just that little bit longer. There was a day back in the day the the Black Knights were the thing. Fifteen Black Knights come back from the gravesite for a CP. They were hot. And now yeah, Black Knights are, are in a bad spot. I mean, they're they're battling the Legion of Blood. But if you want to run a Legion of Blood, you're already I mean, I've messed around with Neferata. You mentioned, of course, you know, uh, we talked about Legion of Bloodlists and how they're not my favorite, but I um, I love Neferata as a model. She's the cheapest Martok character in the book, um, just by 15 points. But I mean, still, I mean, uh, pardon me, 25 points. Uh, but still, she's, um, I've, I've killed, you know, chosen generals with the Dagger of Jet, but, um, and healing D6 wounds with the Hunger rather than D3 is incredibly helpful. But, um, Still, you know, there's you're playing Hero Hammer, I think, if you're playing Legion of Blood. So you have to kind of rely on all those buffs, the plus one armor save against, or plus one armor save on the zombie dragon to give them a natural two up, uh, a minus one to hit with shooting weapons. Like, if you're running that kind of list, like, you already have to think, like, okay, I'm trying to mess around against shooting armies. But um, I think that, yeah, there's, there's like you mentioned before, uh, there's not a lot of um, consistency with what works in terms of the list no they call it this is a paper rock folks if you've heard people like you know on the internet talk about this is a paper rock it means that you know there's no particular list that you're building to handle so you know if it was like stormcast for example and they are just if we were in 40k right and we're like you know it's this absolute one alex knows better than i do i'm not a 40k player but in 40k there's like usually one or two army that are just absolutely hot in the meta and you just need to handle that army or not. Um, and you just hope that you don't kind of get paired up against them. But for us, I could go, I could kind of, you know, try to build a, a list around handling, I, I keep mentioning the bow snakes, right? Bow snakes and luminous archers. And I build a really cool list, but then the iron jaws smash me in the face. Or the cruel boys shoot off my, my monsters with some big, big damage. So yeah. I think that's the kind of thing. And I, and I keep giving people advice is like, play your style build around what you like and yes. focus more on the objective rather than how do I defeat X, Y, Z? Because you, especially for players who are less experienced, you'll go around in circles. You just, cause, cause every army that you're trying to handle is just fundamentally different. Yeah. Cautionary. I mean, like if, if I were to share a cautionary tale here, um, you know, prior, yeah, I did great at SoCal one with battle points more than any other player uh sos was apparently ahead of battle points so that's why uh tied for or you know got first 
tied, you got second. Uh, five then, and uh, O, top of the tree, Alex. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But the tournament before that, um, I my very first round, I was helping out another soul like uh, Grave Lord player. And it was a mirror match. And he was uh, he was new to the faction, and I was trying to explain some mechanics. But also, I got cocky, and I went, okay, cool. Well, you know, I'm, I don't need to do X, Y, and Z. Well, then, hey that's a good that's an easy way to lose the mission right because you're thinking less about how am i going to win this game and you know in a competitive setting and more like um you know i need to show what these things can do so that becomes a whole nother thing of like uh especially in a competitive like in a beer and pretzels or practice game being able to like show the ropes to someone rather than like uh being like cool i need now to play this game you know because right after that i had gone straight into the belly of the beast afterwards and it was not a it's not a great weekend (laughs) but um yeah but being able to um have the flexibility that you have in in these kind of armies um is is very useful i again they're not the strongest army um it really is player dependent uh soul blight grave lords um there's you there's no like op list op build you know yeah. yeah, no, no, I, I would agree. A couple of elevator, like last kind of final questions, and we'll kind of wrap things up. Raymond yeah. definitely wants that game. I can't wait. I'm going to like, maybe I should book you all on a show. Like we'll have like a, a boxing pay-per-view. We'll, we'll kind of put it on stream. A couple of quick elevator questions before we kind of wrap up. One, corpse cart, yay or nay? Uh, depends on the list. I would say yay if you're bringing a magic heavy list. That plus one to cast is amazing. If you have it with Nagash and being what, plus four to cast in Nagash, it's wonderful. What about the Mortis engine? <laughs> I built a list that was literally four Mortis engines, a bunch of bodies, and minor, like, like uh, uh, infantry level characters. Um, I showed it to a few people. They were like, some. the reactions went from everything to fuck that list to I hate that list, you should feel bad. Um, so I am yet to try it out. But uh, actually, it was, um, it was a um, uh, three, it was three Mortis engines and the um palaquin um you know i'm talking about the the not coven throne <laughs> yeah the, yeah the vampire coven throne essentially yeah so that you can count one as being a hero because it's got the wailing doom as well um it's really fun um the only issue that i have is the fact that um there is no faq on this but um when you unleash hell you know you have to unleash hell on that one unit and they have a range attack and it's an aoe but you still only target that one unit so um, it would be really fun if you just AOE'd it as well again. But um, yeah, uh, I like the Mortis engine if you were to just run a dumb spam list. Otherwise, he's, it's too many points. That's some crack science. And the last question, and if I, yeah. if you enjoyed this show, folks, one like, comment, go check out Alex. He's got the In Your Face podcast. Go, well, it's, not, it's, like a, it's not just a podcast. It's like a network. It's like I'm, I'm waiting for my letter of offer to eventually get rolled up into your <laughs> conglomerate media empire <laughs> the last question that i that get asked all the time by jonathan who's always in the live chat is mega gargant mercenary pros cons where do you stand on bringing in a big boy to the soul blight list and you'd get the the um gatebreaker gatebreaker is the death one right yeah the gate crasher guy um yeah uh i think that soul blight grateful is the only army that doesn't need him um, you know, we in the States, you know, we, of course, we have Bill Souza, who did fantastic with, um, I think, Summer Slaughter with Feck and, um, you know, and, and, yes. and the, uh, the Gate Crasher 
Um, there's a guy in our region. In fact, I'm going to a tournament where I might play him this weekend. Um, a really, really good uh, Night Haunt player as well. His name is Dirk, and he runs uh, Night Haunt with uh, the Gatecrasher yes, Gargant. I've, I've right? seen it. I've seen it done really well with Night Haunt yeah. too. But he's making up for the weaknesses of those two factions. Um, with Grave Lords, you could throw him in, uh, but I don't think he's necessary. I don't think that the Gate the Gargant should be considered. Because you could run for the same amount of points or for less than that, you can run a zombie dragon and something else, right? And the zombie dragon and something else is probably a zombie dragon and two and a 20 minion and a graveyard combined will do much more damage than one mega gargant. And that's what 600, just a little over 700 points. So it's going to be more than yeah. one mega gargant, a little bit more, but massively more effective for that army. Yeah, because you make because the Gatebreaker Mega Gargan is five twenty five right now, so it's the most expensive of the three options. Yeah. And would I take? Look, there's pros and cons, you know, and I guess depending on the style of army. But you know, I think you're right. In in a lot of cases, the the Grave Guard or some type of if you're trying to hold hold objectives, I might go the block of sixty zombies, um, because you know you lose that command point at the start of the start of your bat in turn one. You can't artifact it, so you can't put the amulet of destiny on on it. It only counts as five. It doesn't count as the twenty like suns do. So you don't get all of the benefits. And and you and or it could be another vampire lord on zombie dragon or a terror geist. Like I yeah. love the idea of like a terror geist. Hell, give me two terror geists in alpha beast pack. Let me just go straight up the board and just like rip you a new one doing six mortals. Someone on Twitter asked, um, there was there was a guy on uh in Twitter asking what's the lowest model count sold by Gravelords list you can make? And it was for me, it was three sold uh, three terror guys in the gash. Is it a winning list? Absolutely not. Will it fuck over certain matchups? 100 percent You know, like just nothing but mortal wounds. That's absurd. That would be such a hilarious army. Like, yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember watching on Warhammer TV once there was like four vampire lord or it was like a combination of like terror guys and vampire lords on zombie dragon it was just terrorizing the meta at one <laughs> point but alex this has been awesome we could talk death for ages just, just yeah, so deep right like we could talk about avangorian we could talk more about the Callisti. we could talk more about like you know, we haven't talked about allies like i know some people have been in my discord doing some li crazy list science trying to bring in a um uh the, the tomb banshee they're like, oh, I'm going to bring a Tomb Banshee into my list. I'm doing Mortal Wound screens. Like, uh, okay, okay. I'm like, I'm like, you're cheap, but I'm like, would you do it? I don't know. I don't know if I would bring in that particular model. But hey, I think that's the cool thing, right? This book is deep. It's got a lot of cool options. Choose your own flavor. Run it. Borrow. Lots of players are doing well. Uh, they're not an auto win style of army, but no, a lot of good stuff you can do. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. If people want to go kind of talk to Alex. One, you got the podcast in your phase. Two, your Twitter handle is below. Go give him a follow. Uh, you know, let him know that we that I sent you or you watched him on his episode. <laughs> uh, any shout outs, anything you want to kind of bring us home with? Um, yeah. Uh, if you guys are going to Warhammer Austin, I will be there. Um, I'm not going to. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing there. So, uh, I mean, I'll be playing, but uh, yeah, say hi. Um, I like whiskey if you guys want to get a drink. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, check out In Your Phase. Um, we are going to be doing a lot more live stream formats ourselves, as well as interviews. Definitely going to have to get you on and um, 
yeah, uh, that's uh, you know that's it. Uh, continue to watch uh, you know a, a, you know uh, uh, everything you know whether it's AOS Coach or uh, all the other content that we do have here for AOS and uh, learn you some games. Well, do me a favor and go get some sweet, sweet, sweet barbecue. Little little trick. I actually well, not even a trick. I actually was looking at flights. So I actually am allowed to leave my country now. So oh, uh, as of the first of November, I'm allowed to leave my country. And I actually did look at flights for Warhammer Open Austin. I'm like, like, is it possible? I can't. I haven't got the direct flights. There's no direct flights, um, no. unfortunately. Normally, I can. No, normally, I can fly direct to Austin uh, to, to Dallas. Sorry but I've got to go via LAX and it's just bumped up the price and the time just a little bit too much, but I'm keeping an eye out. There could still be a, uh, maybe, maybe, but probably not, but I'd love to attend. But Next SoCal Open, check that out. Um, they're usually if, in late October. If not, I know I've seen Seasons of War. Jordan's uh, got like an Airbnb happening. So I might hang out with you, Jordan, next. Maybe uh, open up the house. We'll go check out your 3D printers. But let's all bring it home. Thank you very much, Alex. You've been an absolute legend. I've learned a lot. It was great to hear how you have been going 5-0 and o with Soulblight. If you have some different ideas and some things that you want to consider and maybe some ideas that we didn't talk about, maybe there's a particular hero i can't remember her name like there's that that kaz that kaz katakaza i don't know so many cursed city heroes that are out there like if Good you side. think there's some yeah that one like let me know in the comment section tell me how how great they are or whatever it is but uh until next time uh don't forget your triumph alex you're a legend thank you for the chat thank you yeah all right see you folks thanks for sticking around until the end i hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas if you did i would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below the conversation will continue over on discord so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the discord and continue the age of sigma conversation i want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.